It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis back with you for the 160th time. Not quite in a row. I mean, a, boy, a boy's got to have Christmas and Easter off sometimes. Uh, but the 160th show in the series. And as always, as always, if you want to deliver a cake, it's at uh, care of TV3, 3 Flower Street, Eden Terrace. And the uh, reception is staffed as we speak. They'll bring the cake right on down. Hey, we've got a cracker of a show tonight. As always, text me 3920 keyword live. It'll pop up in the screen in front of me and you can tweet me at Vaughan Davis. And it's an especially, an especially good show if you are a woman looking for a pay rise, which as far as I can tell means if you are a woman. Uh, we've got a great app, a great app coming up for kids wanting to get started in Tadeo. And what's for dinner? I haven't had my dinner. I haven't had my dinner, but I've got the next best thing. I have got an app for that coming right up. Later on, Anna Connell is joining us. But have a listen to this next interview, especially if you've got kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews who are super clever, maybe into coding at university, and, and you just want to unleash that potential on the world. Innovation doesn't happen by itself and one of the programs that's been giving great ideas a helping hand in New Zealand for many years now is Microsoft's Imagine Cup. This year's winners have come up with a way to make life easier for hard-working students. Yes, they exist. It's called Group Cram and its founders join me now. Homish O'Neill, Eric Liu and Nilesh Magan. Is it Magan or Magan? Magan. Magan. Uh, were the winners recently taking home a $3,000 check and a trip to Seattle. Well done, guys. Cheers, Thank man. You. <laughs> hey, um, Group Cram, a student collaboration app designed to help with studies and group assessments. Who's, who's going to tell me really what it is, what it does? Um, I can I can just yeah, tell you it. about it. <clears throat> so basically with students, we want to prepare for exams and the whole idea of group cram came from this exam preparation dilemma that many students face. So as part of exam preparation what we do is we take past papers, we work through them so that we get to familiarize ourselves with sort of the content of exams, right? However, a problem that many of us face is that not all lecturers are willing to give out these past papers and so we find... Why, why would they not? Well, various reasons. So one of them is, for example, they feel like students should work hard for their answers. If they want answers then they should, you know, collaborate with their peers, discuss amongst themselves, or go ask lecturers directly. Another reason might be because um, some lecturers like to recycle questions, and ah, yeah, so, so so they're lazy. So so if, if the if the if the if the if the most popular question in comp side two hundred one just keeps coming up again and again and again, and you've all got past papers, everyone's going to get a, an A, right? Yeah. Well. Generally, it's only a couple of questions. So the main target is mostly that lecturers don't want students to get easy access answers because they think that students should work hard for these answers. However, that sort of 
makes it difficult on us because when we study, we don't know if we're studying the right thing or if we're on the right track or such. And so students come up with their own ways of, you know, mingling amongst each other, discussing answers together, but there's no, but there's been no real efficient way to do it, and that's what Gurukram is trying to address. So, so when I was at university at, at, at Canterbury, we'd, we'd just, you know, hang out in the cafe or meet up in the library or, you know, um, do, do this informally, right? With a, and there was a whole lot of money spent on photocopying. Um, what, in a, in a nutshell, is, is Gurukram's solution to this, guys? Um, so... Our solution is basically to get students to collaborate and stuff. So basically, a student would just be able to like upload the exam paper and... So someone must have the exam paper from somewhere yeah, to start so, with the old exam paper. Yeah, so basically um, for us at Auckland University, we're actually... The past papers are available online, so we're able to download it and then upload that to GroupCram in a PDF format. Mm -hmm. And all of us could be able to just chuck in our own answers and we can vote on the answers and the highest voted answer will be pushed to the top for that question. Ah, okay. So, so that, that's, kind of, that's kind of the magic step, right? Because availability of these papers is, is, not, uh, is not a big deal. At some universities, as you say, Auckland University, all the past papers are online. Some universities, not so much, right? Yes, but the majority of universities do. Okay, but papers. of course the answers aren't there because, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's exactly. not, uh, you know, they don't want to give you everything. Yeah. Uh, and then rather than just taking a wild stab at what the answer might be, you use the wisdom of the crowd, so your peers, to, to generate answers and vote them up and assess them that way. And, you, and you've got a fairly high degree of confidence then, I guess, that the answer that associates, you know, goes to the top of the list is a, is a pretty good one, right? Yeah, exactly. So right now what students actually use is Google Docs. Um, Google Docs is just a document, let's just say a Word document, and instead of just one person editing, editing it, a lot of students can edit it online uh, separately. And students use that currently but it gets very messy so I will say I I, got, I think this is the answer and my friend Eric might come along and say I think this is the answer and everyone will have different colours and we won't it know what the answer It just becomes a long exactly. endless, endless thread and exactly. I, I, a lot of my work is in, in Microsoft Word and it's like that, that horrible horrible track yeah. changes thing where yeah. it you know, runs out of all the colours in the rainbow and goes back, <laughs> to, goes back to the start again Exactly right. yeah that's exactly what um, our issues with Google Docs are because we're students and we use it as well and so that's what we tried to make Groupcram do because in, in Google Docs, everyone could vote, uh, could put an answer in, and people could vote on it by writing plus one next to it. But it became very hard to understand it, and that's why in GroupCram we've implemented this voting system where students can vote on the answer, and that's why the top voted answer was clear and easy to read right under the, the actual question. I'm going to take a wild stab and, and say that you guys are, are probably uh, computer science or computing students. Is that, is that true? Yeah, so me and Hamish are computer systems engineering students mm -hmm. at Auckland University in our third year. And Eric Liu is in a biomedical engineering degree. At yeah, so I'm not, I'm not the coder in the team. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the germ guy. You look after any, any viruses in the code, although they, <laughs> they, they have to actually literally be viruses for, for you to do anything about it. Yeah. So, so Hamish, t tell us about the, um, the, the technical challenges that group cram involved. So you, you're getting these, these um, past exam papers from uh, you know from, from the university website you're creating a voting platform and you're serving it back through through group cram what, what, what were the hard bits to this so we ask users to upload a PDF and then we've implemented our own algorithms that parse through the PDF inspecting the text so, so there, there, there's there's a word that um, I, I probably don't know understand myself parse p-a-r-s-e parse through the PDF what does it mean 
So what we're doing is we're searching through the PDF and inspecting all of the words. So it's just a fancy word for search. Yeah, yeah. And we're trying to identify where the starts of the questions are so we can extract the questions and display them in a meaningful way with areas for users to add their answer beneath. Right, because a PDF is, is just a kind of a fancy picture with, with you know, yes. and, 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 and in certain contexts you can understand what the, what, what the text means, but what your program is doing is going through this, this string of, you know, 2,000 words, which might be your exam paper, and, and identifying what within that is a question. Because I guess the for, there's no standard format for these exactly. things, is there? Oh, gosh, yeah, they could, be, they could be written however the examiner wanted to write them, right? So in, in, in you know, bi biology, engineering, virus, yeah. or Ebola or whatever <laughs> you do, it might be quite, or, or in English literature, what, what looks like a question... Yeah. might look very different to a question in a mathematics exam, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, our algorithm, we're improving it um, as much as we can by getting papers from um, different uh, lecturers, different courses, and different universities to try and make our algorithm like as good as it can get. And we've also implemented this manual um, parsing thing, which basically, if, if the algorithm... Um, um, can't quite detect it properly, the user will at least be able to like manually change it so that the question is um, exactly what it is in the paper and there's no technical issues. And, and that, that's kind of, the, you know, the, the very best um, examples, I guess, these days of, you know, artificial intelligence are really the augmented intelligence systems where, you know, there's a, there's a computer uh, aspect to do the heavy lifting and then yeah. there's a human eye to, to detect those nuances, right? Yeah, yeah. So does, does your system learn... Not currently. Not currently. So it's not. It's not really. An, it's not currently an artificial intelligence system. But it's it's an it's, it's an obvious application for it, isn't it? Yes. In the future, we might look at some kind of machine learning where it learns from its own mistakes where users have corrected it. You know, I've I've, I've just now thought of one of the first books I ever ever read as like a, as a primary school kid, and it was that it was designed to solve exactly this problem. And this was probably in the 1970s. Um, it was called Danny Dunn and the Homework Machine. And it was a, a giant computer whose sole purpose in life, I think this, this, this teen hero in the book, subverted this giant computer to, uh, to get the computer to do its homework. Uh, instead, I think, of, of, of defending uh, America from missile strikes, which was, <laughs> was its real purpose. So let's talk about the technology you're using. This is a, a Microsoft Award. Um, you're using something called Microsoft Azure, or everyone pronounces it differently. Azure, Azure, Azure. Azure. Yeah, Azure. Yeah. yeah, lesson number one, how do you say it? I say Azure. Yeah, well, as I said a lot, that you get frowned at at Microsoft. <laughs> if you, if you, I thought you said Azure as well. But So what, what, what is Microsoft Azure? Let's agree to call it that. And, and how does it apply to your project? Uh, so Azure is a cloud platform. Basically, allows you to host or run any kind of application in the cloud without so, having to build your own infrastructure. So the cloud, uh, I've had it described to me as just a bunch of computers that you don't own. Yes, that's quite accurate. So we don't have to worry about any of the kind of setting up things. We just write our application and submit it to Azure, and then anyone can access it around the world. Which you know, say otherwise, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, you would have had to beg, borrow, or steal access to a big computer box in someone's computer room, right? Yes. So that changes this. So, what are the what are the upsides and downsides of running um, group cram on this Microsoft Azure platform? That's you know, the, the actual computers might be in Singapore or Australia or, or America. What are the upsides and downsides of that? So basically. If you access something from the other side of the world, let's just say, in like you know, England or something, it's going to be much slower. Mm -hmm. And because we say much slower, um, it would be 
it would take a little bit longer to load certain things, and depending on the location and the speed of things, it yeah. could it could be drastically slower, or mm -hmm. could be something that you just have to be a little bit patient with. When you say when you say as a computer guy, when you say drastically slow, you mean a tenth of a second, right? Or, or what? Do yeah, you, what? I'm sure it's not to the extent of minutes or hours. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I'm going outside while while my you know yeah. my group cram thing arrives to the progress <laughs> bar. So, yeah. so it might be a little bit slower, but I guess the, the upside, though, is, is that you're getting access to a heck of a lot more horsepower than you, you would ever get if you're using someone's computer in someone's basement, right? Exactly, because yeah. initially when we started off Group Cram, we were hosting it on Hamish's laptop at home. Oh, of course you were. And, of course, that's not going to handle the capacity which we're expecting with Group Cram once we launch it. So that's where Azure comes in by giving us the capacity to handle more users. Look at that. Hey, I'm talking to um, Hamish, Eric, and Nilesh from Group Cram, which is a, uh, a pretty cool way for uh, New Zealand University students to collaborate in uh, an exam prep. Back right after this. It's Sunday Social. Everything you need to know about social media with Vaughan Davis. And welcome back to Sunday Social. I'm Vaughan Davis, and with me from Auckland University, the co-founders of exam preparation platform Group Cam, Hamish, Eric, and Nilesh. Welcome back, guys. Hey, man. Hey. hey, so Hamish, tell me um, about the light bulb moment. You know, what what, what was the genesis of, of of this thing that has gone on to win you? You know, the the New Zealand uh, Microsoft Imagine Cup. Where did it start? Well, we were putting a lot of effort into trying to come up for ideas for this competition, but I kind of went back to something that we as university students ourselves actually saw as a problem in our everyday lives, and what I came up with was that, you know, we had to use these Google Docs to try find the solutions to these exam papers, and that it was just really not a great system and could be massively improved. So I thought there's some potential there. So you, you, like so many startups, right, um, you are the customer. Yes. Which, which can which can be which can be limiting sometimes you know the, there's there's a really common um, phenomenon I guess in the in the digital world where there's all these apps which are fantastic if you're a tech guy living in San Francisco but then when you try and move it to the the wider world well the audience is not so big but your audience is a little bit bigger than that so you, you've, you've prototyped it at Auckland University how far has it spread Where, where's your user base? So currently we've run a pilot test with about 30 people with just the initial version. So that's just kind of testing out things to see what could be better um, if people actually enjoy it. And I think that's what the good thing about GroupCram is, is, is that it's actually addressing a problem that people actually need. And so people will actually use it because I think nowadays you have many of these sort of fancy apps that they sound cool but people won't use. And so that's our next step, I suppose, is to build it even further and expand it even further more to the Auckland University students, which we will probably do in a week or two time. What does the university think of it? Because in, in the first part of the show, we, we talked about um, one of the reasons that sometimes lecturers are reluctant to share past papers is that they like to recycle questions. And, and you know, that may be partly laziness and it may be partly that the questions are very, very good questions. What's, what's been the official response? So we have talked to many of the university lecturers because clearly they play a big part in um, group cram success. With many of the lecturers, they see that the whole idea of using um, recycled questions is going to phase out. It's a trend that's not really a trend anymore. And so with that, they want to really encourage exam questions which motivate students to think about concepts rather than memorize things, yep, which is yep. much more beneficial for their learning. And so they see group cram as a convenient way for university lecturers to 
to essentially get students to have more of an educational benefit from pre-existing resources such as past papers or worksheets or tutorials. Now, this, this next point is likely only going to become an issue should you try to commercialise group cram, but who owns these past papers, the intellectual property in these exam papers? Who owns it? The universities have... Um they own it, really. They own their own papers. And so if we want to, we want students to upload papers to GoopCram, the universities have to have some sort of authorization over it. And um, for us, we're going to solve this by um, kind of letting students log in through the university. Mm -hmm. And by logging in with the university, the papers still belong to the university. Right. And so we don't really run into that issue. Okay, so it's something, it's something you've thought through. Yeah. So, so questions like that would have been part of the judging process at the Microsoft Imagine Cup. Tell me about the competition itself, the, the, you know, what, what made you enter, how the process worked, how the, how the judging went, and, and why you think you won. So why we entered it. So I, I kind of was talking to Eric about this last year, and I was like, man, this, this competition looks really cool. And then we thought maybe we could do it. And then... We thought, oh, we'd need someone else who code. Because I code. Um, Eric's not quite the coder in our team, but he has a lot of other skills that he brings to the team. And then I met Hamish, and, you know, we thought, man, we could pretty much make a good team. And like Hamish was saying, um, we kind of sat at a table, came up with some ideas, we came up with group cram. We thought it was awesome. Then we came into the competition, Imagine Cup, and um, we, we weren't expecting to make it this far. And then that we kind of... We just worked really hard and we really wanted to win and we just put so much into it that our idea just progressed so far and that people were really interested in group cram and they really wanted to use it now and when it came to judges they also kind of saw that potential that maybe group cram could really do well and they saw that you know group cram is a tool that students would use and i guess that's why we want it because over other, over other competitors, uh, over other participants, they saw our idea as the most feasible. So, so there's a, it's a competition, there's a judging process. I'm guessing it's not three people in, in three chairs that turn around and say, I'll have you on my team. Yeah. How, how did, well, maybe it was. How did it actually work? What was, the, what was the process? So with Imagine Cup, you start off in your own team, you build a little project, and then you go through rounds where basically um, teams get filtered out. So it's kind of like an elimination process. We have a preliminary round, some teams get wiped out there, and then after that you move on to the quarterfinals, then the semifinals, and then in the finals, um, just three of the semifinalists get called up on stage, so you don't really know that you're going to present in the finals, and yeah, winner of that takes so, 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 but, but tell me, how are you winning? Are, are you saying, you know, here's my program, tappity, tappity, tappity on the laptop, or are you being interrogated, or do you have to pitch, or how does so, it work? With the competition, how it works is you have a seven-minute pitch, um, you present a presentation, maybe do a live demo, and then after that, judges will have a Q&A session where they will ask you questions which they think need addressing. What, what was the toughest question that you were asked? Is, is, was there one during the judging that just put you on the spot and went, oh, if only I'd crammed for this? Um, <laughs> I think the toughest ones really came in the initial stages where we weren't prepared or we didn't think as in-depth of our product. So... For example, one of them was um, the copyright issues. We d initially didn't think about how we could go about this. So when you asked us, now we've got a really formalized response because we thought about the concept, but in the initial stages, it was really difficult to answer them. 
you called it a product and you know one, one definition of a product is, is something that you know one person sells to another do, do you see this as having a future um, commercially yeah definitely um, the student market is massive and even capturing like 10% of the student market would generate a massive revenue stream for us your next step, uh, and this, this must be pretty exciting, is in July, jumping on a jet plane and heading off to Microsoft in Seattle, which is, believe me, quite the experience. Uh, what, what are you expecting over there? What's ahead of you? Insanely talented people from all around the world. It's going to be such a great opportunity to see what people from other corners of the world think in terms of problems of the world and how they want to go about solving them. For example, we've looked at some Russian finalists and they've come up with neural networks which will analyse when an audience is bored. So stuff like that, it's really oh, exciting. They're going to use that technology to win the pitch as well because they'll, 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 they'll have the instant feedback while they're trying, oh, that's genius. <laughs> that's yeah, genius, so those Russians. It's really exciting because we do want to meet other people but it's, these are the top students from all corners of the world. How many, how many countries are represented? 33. 33, in total. 33. Yeah. okay. Okay, so it's, it's, it's big enough to be cool, but small enough that you li yeah. you're likely to, to get to meet and talk yeah, to everyone yeah, you want to talk definitely. to, right? Really looking forward yeah, to that. Really. And, and there's, there's a pretty big shiny prize at the end of it if you, uh, if you take it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, so it's 100,000 US dollars. Yeah. That's quite a lot of and money. And they get to meet Bill Gates, I believe. <laughs> yeah, well, I believe so. Which is pretty amazing. <laughs> that, would, that, would, uh, that would really be quite something. So how, how far are you guys through your, through your studies? How far have you got to go? So all three of us are in our third year. I, in an, in a, in an engineering degree, so we ha I have this year and next year, but I think these two both take conjoint, so they'll have one extra year. So. Okay, so you've got, got a year or two between you to, to go. Yeah. And, and, um, and sort of one at a time, maybe starting with you, Hamish, where do, where do you hope to, to take what you learnt, uh, not just through this project, you know, but by studying computing at uh, university here? What's, what's your future? I don't really know. Excellent answer. <laughs> very, very, very much representative of your generation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll just take all the skills I've learnt and possibly look for either saying the commercial or academic sectors. Well, you could, you could, you could be, you know, be a, 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 a tech show radio host who actually knew what he was talking about. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be a refreshing change for the listeners. Uh, Nilesh, what, what, what's in your future? For me. Um, I've learned a lot through my degree just in terms of um, hardware engineering, software engineering and people skills. I really enjoy talking to people and with these skills I, I want to start off as a software developer in a company and maybe perhaps start my own company one day and then after that just, um, you know, become, rise to the top hopefully. Uh, you've really thought this through. You're quite, you're, quite, you're quite different to hate. <laughs> uh, and, and Eric, how about you? Often quite a different direction yeah, I would so expect. Um, as we said before, I'm not the coder in the team, so I'm in charge of presentations and talking to people and all that stuff. So I really enjoy doing that sort of stuff. And um, with biomedical engineering, because it's a rather new field, a lot of these companies that are doing research don't have ways to market it to the bigger audience. So mm -hmm. in my future, I'd like to be a biomedical engineering consultant. Look at that. Hey, uh, Hamish, Eric and Nilesh, the uh, co-founders of Group Cram and uh, very, very uh, good bets, I would say, for taking out the uh, Microsoft Imagine Cup in July later in the year. Thank you so much for joining me on Sunday Social. Thanks Cheers. Thank us. you so much. Thank you. 
And you can listen back to that whole entire interview and indeed all our uh, 160 interviews we've done so far in the series at radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday social. And, of course, if you're into podcasts, if you're a commuter with uh, with headphones, basically, you can go to iTunes and search uh, Radio Live Sunday Social or Vaughan Davis and uh, and get it as a podcast. How perfectly modern. Hey, after the break, Anna Connell with the apps, social media news and websites of the week. Back soon. Your portal to the world of tech and social media. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. On Radio Live. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and a very special Sunday Social. Welcome back to Anna Connell. Anna, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Vaughan. How are you? I, oh, a box of fluffy ducks. Oh, that's a box good. Of, a box of, I, was just, I was just reading my tweets and my Facebook posts, and according to that, I'm awesome. Oh, that's all you need in this world, That's right, the, the, observed, the observed self. So last time you were on, last time you were on, uh, it was under the hashtag of um, hashtag seeing other banks. Um, you, you, you've, 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 you've cut the bank adrift, you've cut the bank adrift, and you're off into the, uh, off into the, the, the wild blue yonder of, uh, of employment opportunities, aren't you? I am. I mean, I have, I have a job. Um, is it something you can talk about? <laughs> I, we should yes, have it is. clarified this. Yes, it is. No, so I'm going to work for an agency called Bettel & Associates in Hamilton as a digital strategist even. Sounds rather super cool. Now, I hope, I hope when you, uh, when you signed that contract, you negotiated hard. <laughs> Did you negotiate hard? I've Anna definitely learnt a thing or two about negotiations in my time. And, and it turns out that, well, there's, there's not an app for that. Well, there, there might be an app for that, but there's a bot for that. Of course there's a bot. Tell us it. about it. Um, so this was launched uh, on Equal Pay Day, which was a day sort of designed to bring attention to the fact that there's an enormous pay gap between men and women still. Uh, and it is a chat bot that coaches women through having a conversation about asking for more money. So let's back up the bot. A chat bot is a thing that works through Facebook chat in, in this instance and you chat to it just like you would chat to your best friend except you send fewer naked pictures probably and it, it, it converses to you as if it's a person, right? Yes, but it's not. It's a, it's a program that's been written. It's a robot. Right, so so this one's based on someone rather special. It is. So this one they have used um, the voice in written form of Cindy Gallup, who um, is a pretty incredible woman, worked in advertising for a very long time, um, is at the head of um, an initiative, a website, a kind of a movement called Make Love Not Porn. I'm allowed to say that after seven, aren't I? You yes. are, yeah. Um, and she is really uh, passionate about championing women having a voice and um, she's pretty stroppy. I hate to use that word in relation to other women, but I think she would probably describe herself as such. Pretty ballsy. Um, and so she writes back to you when you ask a question in this Facebook Messenger chat bot uh, and essentially coaches you through having a conversation about asking for more money in her tone of voice. So so talk, talk me through how it went for you. Oh, so I tried it and you get a, a wonderful 
Welcome. That sounds exactly like Cindy Callip. If you've never heard her speak, you can watch her TED Talk online. Um, and it's pretty feisty and it's pretty um, encouraging. Uh, and she starts asking you a few questions about where you work um, and what industry, asks you for a zip code. So at the moment, it looks like it's pretty specific to the US um, because I gave them my postcode, my little Devonport postcode, and didn't get information back that was hella useful to be honest um, in terms of benchmarking my role in in my country Um, but the type of conversation that she encourages you to have I think is really great and I think it's a really nice use case for chatbots actually to help people through conversations that are traditionally a little bit disempowering. So so to find this um, you just go to Facebook and in the search, little search window top left just search Ask Cindy Gallop and it's like Gallop like the horse G-A-L-L-O-P and up she pops uh, be warned, be warned if you're, a, uh, if you're a guy or if you identify as male on Facebook uh, the conversation will be short the conversation with, uh, <laughs> because I, I think I think Cindy I think Cindy um, uh, has concluded that if you're a guy you've, you're getting paid enough anyway so she'll uh, she'll put her little body resources into and in, into the ladies out there that's right I've, I've had her on the show I've had her on the show Cindy Gallup have you? Well, oh, that's I, I, great. I'm pretty sure it was her I don't think it was the bot I think it was the real thing well who knows now yeah ha- have, a, have a look back through radiolive.co.nz under shows and Sunday social she may well be there but um, interestingly Bob Harvey who's an advertising before he was a, a mayor uh, and then whatever he is now. Before that, he was an advertising guy. And he he was telling me the stories. I must tell you the story. He said, I've got to tell you this story, Paul. I've got to tell you this story. About how he was in New York and he went to this apartment and he described this apartment. He said, it's enormous and opulent and everything was black. And I'm going, well, this sounds familiar. And you know what, Vaughan? He says, oh, I don't know, Bob, what? Sir Bob. Everywhere, penises everywhere, and every, every nook and every nook and cranny in this in this black apartment was was filled with artistic representations of 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 uh, the male genitalia. And I said, Cindy Gallup. He said, Yes. How did you know? So she's an interesting person. You can chat to her. Maybe about that uh, on Facebook. Just search uh, Ask Cindy Gallup, which I think is kind of cool. Hey, um. This next this next story uh, is an interesting interesting uh, kind of scam interesting scam. I haven't seen it in New Zealand, but maybe you have. And I, I like pointing out scams because there are lots out there. And if we tell each other about them, so you know, forewarned is forearmed. And this is around Google Maps. Have you had you ever heard of this one, Anna? I hadn't heard of this one actually. So so what this is is companies are listing themselves on Google Maps as having locations near you in order to get your business when it turns out actually they've got no locations near you or sometimes no locations at all they might just be a call center so a good example is a locksmith so if i if i search in my uh, in google maps you know locksmith um central auckland up might pop connell locksmiths limited you know 25 queen street but 25 queen street might just be a post office box or your lawyer's office or nothing at all and you've got that address just to get the search traffic. It's, it's sort of, um, what would you call it? it it's, it's physical search engine optimization. And then when you call them or, or click on them, they just put you through to, you know, the, the, the franchise. Mm-hmm. The franchise and the guy comes around in the van. I think it's dodgy. It is dodgy because you're sort of putting your trust in a local business, right? And then actually you're getting something that's not a local business at all. Well, exactly, exactly. And, 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 you, and you, you're not just putting your trust in them, you're supporting them because you kind of like to support 
a local business, but if the local business just turns out to be, you know, Locksmith Corp of, you know, Asia Pacific Incorporated and then and, and, and just gaming it. So, as always, the messages, if, uh, if you see it on the internet, well, it's not necessarily true. Just have a bit of a closer look. This, this next story you were going to tell me about out of the uh, recent Facebook conference, F8 which I'm, I'm guessing is a sequel to F7. Am it I, is a sequel right? to F7, yes. It's their big Ooh. developer conference that yeah. they have every year. And honestly, Vaughan, I must follow, I don't know what I follow on Twitter, but it felt like it was wall-to-wall Facebook news this week. But what they have, they came up with a whole raft of things that they are, they are going to do and that they are innovating on. But this one in particular um, caught my eye because I feel conflicted about it but um they essentially talked about the fact that they are going to launch something that will allow you to type without typing but just by reading your mind really it's called brain typing brain typing brain typing and so they will use optical imaging to scan your brain a hundred times per second to detect you speaking silently in your head and translate it into text. Oh my God, my inner voice, my inner voice suddenly becomes a tweet. That, I know. That, well, you know what, my inner voice basically does become a tweet. So really, it's it's uh, nothing changes. Isn't it freaky? So that this technology, well, a form of this technology kind of exists in the sense that they have been doing it in um, the medical world, but with implants. So people who are paralysed are able to express themselves. Stephen but, Hawking. Yeah, Facebook claimed that they are not going to need to put an implant in, which is something of a relief. Um, I don't really feel like getting implanted by Facebook, to be honest. Um, but it will be a direct brain interface. How the technology works, I have no idea. And I feel weird about it because on one hand, I've just come off the back of a day of writing. And honestly, if I didn't have to type you could just sit, words, You could just sit, you could be walking down the street. Think. Yeah, and it will all come out. It'll be amazing. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of freaky thinking about it is Facebook kind of freaky. your brain, right? Well, they're, they're, say, they're saying that they don't need implants to scan your brain. So this means they're scanning your brain from outside your head. And my, my brain is racing ahead to ask the question... How far outside your head can they scan your brain from? And then I'm going, okay, I'm walking down the street, and from how far away can my brain be scanned? And, what are they and, using and, and to scan your brain? What are they using to scan your brain? Hey, we, we're going to be back right after this with the answers not to that question, but the answer to, uh, mm, I've only got three ingredients in the cupboard. What's for dinner? Back soon. The latest apps, the World Wide Web. It's Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Welcome back. Don't worry. Be happy. And welcome back to Sunday Social. There are a bazillion apps out there, but luckily Anna and I have spent the entire week, well, maybe just parts of the weekend, trolling through the app stores, finding the ones which are worth your 99 cents or indeed your nothing. We're in the case of this next one because it's free. At this stage, yes. <laughs> oh, free, free at this stage. So language learning apps are a big deal. And Duolingo, Duolingo is one of my favourites for, uh, for sort of the mainstream languages, but you've found one a little bit closer to home. Yes, so this one is um, specifically di- designed to teach Tereo to children under the age of five. Um, so Māori is an official language in New Zealand, but... Only 3.7% of all New Zealanders can have an everyday conversation in Māori. Uh, so this app from a company called Pāpapa, um, it's called He Aha Tene. What is this? 
um, is a little app, and I had a wee play with it, and it's... I, I'm playing with it right now. It's very sweet. So Eka means fish. Essentially, it... Um, it's designed, as I said, for kids under the age of five who are so used to having, you know, really tactile experiences with iPads and iPhones um, and dragging and dropping and all of that kind of stuff. You know, they kind of clutch at iPads to try and turn pages and things now. Um, but essentially it uses just little icons and little symbols and it's actually the guy who made the app. It's his kids are the voice and they speak a syllable and then your kid drags the syllable to the matching syllable in a written form and then there's a little picture of what that is so it's designed to teach kids really basic Māori language words um, it's in its first iteration uh, but they are they say that they're going to look at um, developing further apps and obviously building the number of words that people are able to use i think it's it's really cool i mean design for under fives but uh i i think it's a, it's a worse worthwhile thing for anyone to do on the bus so i'm playing with it now and i'm, I'm looking at this little picture of an apple and underneath the apple are three little syllables are poor and when i drag them up Look at that! Cute, and I, eh? I, and I, lo I love the accent. I love the accent because it's it's not some university lecturer. Hey, nothing wrong with being a university lecturer, but uh, it's 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 the guy's kids. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It is yeah. abs absolutely gorgeous. And it looks really cute, and I think um, kids will love it. I'm. It's, I think it's my app of the week. Uh, so if you search Pa uh, Papa. P-A-P-A-P-A -A -P -A -P -A on the uh, iPhone or Android uh, app store. It's free download and it's a lot of fun. Hey, um, something that's a little bit less fun, this happens now and then, you've got an app, it's one of your go-to apps, you really like it, you use it all the time, you're familiar with it and then they go and change it and it sucks. Let's talk about the Met Service app, shall we? Yes, let's talk about the Met Service app. Were you a user of the old Met Service app? Do you know what, Vaughan? I wasn't. How come? Because it was two dollars ninety nine, and you just because it was two dollars ninety nine. Oh, okay. oh well, maybe, maybe this is exactly the conversation we need to have. So I, I'm, you know, I, I, I fly a plane, and, I, and weather really matters to me. I get my weather information from a lot of sources, but one of the ones I loved for what's going to happen in this place today, tomorrow, next day, is is the Met Service app. They went and relaunched it this week um, to almost universal criticism by users, I think. They've gone from... There's two main changes. They've gone from a, uh, an interface which was kind of mm, photo-heavy and lovely images of kids splashing in puddles and it was all kind of all rather lovely, um, but maybe resource-intense, you know, took a bit time mm. to download perhaps, to a more... Um, icon based so little smiley faces things so that's one change so so that that is what it is but what they've also done and this has really got people's hackles up uh if you look at the met service facebook page arr, fangs out um they've gone from it being a paid app two dollars 99 to a free app but a free app supported by advertising so you can't get the weather uh. unless you have first endured um a and here's me you know, work in an ad agency saying this, but you can't get to the weather app without first enduring a full screen ad. And then once you're scrolling through the app, up, com up comes another ad. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It just riles me. And I had already paid. This is the thing. This is turning into a rant. I had <laughs> already paid $2.99, Anna, 
$2.99 for a premium ad-free app. I upgraded it with a new upgrade and suddenly I've got ads. Honestly, Met Service. Yeah, that hasn't been handled particularly well, has it? It has not been handed handled particularly well. I mean, their, their argument is that they want the app to be freely available to everyone, which I guess makes sense because that's... that's and so the ads will, will help pay for that. But what about those of us? And there are... You know, that Met Service app was the number one paid download on yeah, the app, yeah, app, yeah. app yep. store um, consistently. So there must be... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go out and say hundreds of thousands of people with that app who've paid their $2.99. Met Service, you know where I live. In fact, you sent me something nice next week, so I feel uh, last week, so I feel a bit mean. Uh, but you know where I live. You have my address. Um, write me a check for two dollars ninety nine and send it to me. You owe me. You owe me. And you know what? I'm going to spend that two dollars ninety nine on a can of Watties baked beans, and I'm going to go to your app, Anna, to work out what to do with it. Yeah. So I came across on my Facebook feed, so I found out about everything in the world. Uh, the new Food in a Minute app. So everybody knows... I didn't know there was an old food in the middle. Well, there was, but I don't know how many people were talking about it. Let's just say that. Uh, So food in a minute, everybody knows those quintessential advertisements, genius piece of content marketing that it was. Uh, And they have an app. So I downloaded it because honestly, the whole food, figuring out what to have for dinner, all of that kind of thing, it's just ripe for more innovation. So anything in the food area, I just suck up. Um, So I had a bit of a play with it. It essentially restricts you to recipes, obviously, from Food in a Minute, and they're very high and heavy on Waddy's Heinz is, is product. It, is that still a little TV thing, is it? Food in a Minute, it still happens, does it? I don't watch TV, Vaughan, so uh, I don't know. Yes, mm. But if you did, it would be three. Yes, it probably yes, yes, it would be. I yep. think they used to play it, or maybe they still play it just before the news, don't they? Or around tummy time, they talk about an advertising. Is that a thing? <laughs> tummy... <laughs> Hey, uh, it's always tummy time when you're me. Um, but so, so this app, so, so talk me through how it works. It's a free app. It's called Food in a Minute. And how does it work? So it's got a bunch of different kind of features. It's got um, recipes, obviously, in there. It's got a meal planner. So you can ask for, say, three meals a week, and it serves up a whole lot of different options, and you can swap those out if you don't like the looks of them. Um, you can give it a shake, and it'll serve up a bit of a random recipe for you if you're what did you, pretty what, stuck. What do you mean give it a shake? You give the phone a shake. Oh. And a new recipe will pop up. Oh, mm. that's kind of cool. Uh, and then the thing that it does, which I really, really love, so obviously it'll give you the recipes for all the meals that you want to plan for the week, as long as you use a lot of Waddies and Heinz products, is that I don't know whether you use recipes on your iPad or your f- phone. I, te- I tend to use my laptop only yeah. because the screen stands up by itself. Exactly. And then the other thing, of course, is that on a lot of phones these days... In fact, days this afternoon I made some, I know, made some banana loaf. Oh, delicious. Us- using a recipe from Chelsea Sugar. Not, surprise- not surprisingly, it had a whole cup of sugar. <laughs> it's delicious, um, though. But this um, app, there's a setting in this app which you can set so your phone doesn't lock. And that's like one of my biggest frustrations because I use my phone a lot for recipes is that most phones have a time which it'll just shut down and now most phones have touch ID. So you're constantly pouring your phone with your you know, your thumbs or your fingers covered in food. So this has got a setting on it which means that it kind of deactivates the lock for the time that you're using the recipe, which I think is genius. That's that's really considerate. It, it's, it's like they've, they've tested it in the kitchen and gone, oh, yes, yes, there's something that people in the real world will need. I, I had a bit of a look at it. Well, in fact, I'll, I'll, dig, I'll digress quickly, though, because you've got an iPhone, right? Mm. I've, got a, I've got a Huawei P10. <laughs> do, know. You know, do you know one of the many good things about the Huawei P10? I shall demonstrate. Mm. 
Oh, whoops. It He's trying work. to demonstrate that the Touch ID works better. It does. It does. <laughs> it, it, on, on, this, on this Jolly Huawei, the Touch ID works when you've got crud on your thumb. That's good. That is a really good thing. Because it's a real pain it on probably, probably also means you can push your nose on it. Oh, look, it does. Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't unlock. Um, I, I, had, I had a look at the Food in a Minute app. It seemed like a great idea, but the first recipe it came up with was brown rice and veggie salad. Anna, I am not at home to that. Hey, that is a wrap. Thanks so much to Hamish, Eric and Nilish from Group Cram. Anna Connell from, well, she's kind of from Hamilton now. Braden Leggett in the booth and Graham Hill up next with the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Bourne Davis and I will see you here next week. Can't hardly wait. Wait.